You are listening to Season 1 of Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who think differently and want to explore ideas and topics that are relevant to all areas of their life. Hi guys, welcome to Episode 5. I'm Joanne and today we're talking about being environmentally savvy. Sandy, how are you? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm really good. I had a great day yesterday getting primed for today's episode. I went to this marsh in Hamilton called Coots Paradise, and it's a wetland on the end of Lake Ontario. It's just beautiful. It's one of the um, most important bird areas in Canada, and also reptiles and amphibians amphibians is that how you say that word but you know I saw snakes and stuff like that water snakes and it was just beautiful it was a heavily polluted area that there's been a lot of environmental work done in the area to restore it to its natural beauty and to make it a real sanctuary so it was great and I just love being outdoors and walking around and just appreciating all of the beauty how about you how are you it was a pretty nice day yesterday wasn't it yeah it was gorgeous I am good, thanks. You know what I spent the weekend working on? Well, actually, we did some gardening, which was really good. Loved being out in the outdoors. But we also updated our wills. Oh. I know. It was a bit... um, Was this inspired by Prince? (laughs) Seriously. You know what? It's been on my list. I'm a list person, as you know. It has been on my list for a while, and I can't remember when it came up but no it was on my list before uh prince Uh, but it does surprise me that some people out there still don't have wills i said okay we have to do it so we we sat down and we went through it and it just it sparked the conversation again because we did it i think we did it when we moved to calgary so that was 10 years ago and some laws have changed now, although they haven't has been sorted out how they're going to implement the laws. So we we got talking about the whole the right to die, right? Yes, and, yes. And we don't have any children, so we're leaving what we have to our families. So then that made me talk to Ashley about well, we need to let our families know our thoughts and perspective you know you can write down as much as you can we we also need to not just send them and say here's your copy but have a conversation about it so yeah it was it was it was a weird this is good to have a conversation about it but wow we're having conversations about it (laughs) it is it puts you in a funny headspace when you start looking at those things and talking about all the what-if scenarios that can happen you know with what if one of us dies what if we both die what if you know all those things right and especially for you not living close to your family I imagine that's a whole other dynamic because you're here and your family's all in Australia well, my next step is to get all organized and make sure they know where all the paperwork is and, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, it leads into what we're talking about today, which is what's going to be left of this world anyway when we're like, what, what are we going to be like in 50 years' time? Ah! I know. What's the world going to be like in 50 years' time? It's a scary topic we have today. It's it's a challenging topic in so many ways, I think, to really think about the environment and and our responsibility 
Yes. I want to start with a quote. Can I start with a quote? Can we just jump in? Okay. So I was doing a little bit of research on this because, you know, it's an important topic. Well, for both of us. And I found this David Suzuki quote. And he said, this was in response to somebody asking him about what it takes to be an environmentalist. And he said, environmentalism isn't a profession or a discipline. It's a way of seeing our place in the world. It's recognizing that we live on a planet where everything, including us, is exquisitely interconnected with and interdependent on everything else. Is that a great quote? It is, yeah. It's a bit of a mind shift, isn't it? It is. It reminded me actually of that song we used to sing in residence. We're all in this together. Yes. You know, that just that whole idea of how whatever you do impacts me impacts in me. some way. And we just don't think that way. Mm. Yeah, sometimes we're a bit, bit more of an individualist society, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you mm. know, we think about doing our part, but it's not really our part. Like we're all apart you know yeah. of everything or it's our part that helps everyone i feel like um, i need to light some incense right now <laughs> <laughs> and and i guess what is out for me I, I guess we try and live as ethically sustainable as possible but we continue to come up with a bit of a values disconnect whilst trying to make those choices. Yes. So, yes, we like to buy local food. Uh, we like to support the farmers. Of course, we do all our recycling. But to me, it's it's more about more than that. You know, we, we like to buy ethical sources of product and produce where we can. But there are a lot of times we don't. And we don't because of time, efficiency, money, convenience. And that is a challenge when we, oh, should we really, you know, should we really buy buying this one when it's 10 times more? But what's the impact that that's going to have? And, and so we do it, we do it on food for sure. We don't necessarily do it on everything else. We do it, we try and look at it on some clothing, but mm-hmm. But we certainly don't on everything. And even clothing. I mean, you've done a lot of research on the clothing piece. That just goes so deep. Sandy, I think what what happens is people just get so overwhelmed. Exactly. So where do you feel the most conflict in your life? Like with, is there like one area? So you obviously you feel pretty good about your food choices and recycling. So those are wins. Those are things you feel like you've probably sorted out and are doing really your part. But yes. where do you feel, um, when you talk about a values disconnect, where are you feeling tension? So uh, my husband's car for sure, and he feels that. He's, I'd say he's more uh, environmentally astute than me, and he feels it a lot. We Hey, when we lived in Calgary, we had a smart car. That was February 2008. Mm. And there was hardly any smart cars on the road. And people looked at us like we were crazy. But it was perfect. We needed a city car. I did a lot of driving for work. It was amazing. And then 
we moved over here, we were advised not to bring the smart car over by a friend who was fairly high up in the police service. Okay. (laughs) Who said, said, you don't want to have a smart car on the 401. Exactly. I agree with that. Yeah, we thought, okay. And then really, in hindsight, hindsight is always good, we probably should have kept it because we could still have it as our city car and even moving between the tri-cities it would have been okay but but then of course you know you work hard all your life my husband wanted to buy for him a fun car so he bought a fun car but it but it is a bit of a turbocharged thing and it uh, it challenges him many days and so you know when the new uh, what, what's the tesla yes did when you I, watch that i People were lining yes up. i saw that isn't that amazing? I felt so good about that, though. People that so many up. people have that value that are seeing that as a, a um, factor in the choice they make for a car. That's great. They're not going to get it, some of them, until, I mean, they say 2017. They're not going to get it till 2018. 300,000 cars. And I leave it up to Ash, and he was very close. He didn't actually go through with it because it was just a little bit too far beyond, like, to think about. But... Um, We'll be very close to changing cars. So the car and then travel. Mm. Jumping on the plane. Travel's a huge one. You know, about two weeks ago, I was doing some research on travel and I posted on Facebook uh, an article that I found about the environmental impact of travel, air travel, and another big one is cruise ships, which I've never been on a cruise and... I and not because I think that there's a problem with them environmentally. I've just never gone on one. It's never been something I've um, wanted to do. So, but I was reading about the damage um, to coral reefs that happens because of anchoring cruise ships, and how just it they just those massive anchors and how they just drag along and destroy and it was something I'd never thought of I I always thought the big issue with cruise ships was just the wastefulness of all of the food and all of that you know um, consumption that goes on that there was a lot of waste involved but I never really thought about the cruise ship side of the anchor and the damage and the disruption that those big boats do to the oceans so that was something and then air travel is really really a huge a huge factor. Do you have any disconnects with your values, Sandy? So, yeah, the air travel makes me Mm. think a lot. And it was interesting because I posted that on Facebook. I I did have a point about that. I got on a bit of a ramble. But uh, no, the the point was that um, nobody responded. Like not one person liked it or commented it. And I felt like I just, you know, when you just like throw something into the conversation and it just doesn't land. So I thought people are probably all feeling a bit of conflict around that. And guilt. Yeah. And travel is such a value for people. Like it's just some, I don't know if it's a value, but it's something that people want to do. And we travel more now than ever before. And there are more people traveling and it's, it really does have a negative impact on our our environment, on our air quality, and and everything else. So that's a bit of a. a I think there's limitations that we can, choices that we can make, and 
I think we need to. But I, I also feel, okay, so this is my tension. I feel like if I said to you, oh, no, I'm not going to go on a cruise ship because I think they're really bad for the environment, how does that make you feel? I don't go on cruises either. <laughs> not, because, not because of the environmental piece. I don't know. It's just not been on my list. However, I feel like I should try it because people love it so much. If you said to me you weren't going on one because of the – like, it wouldn't bother me, but that's because we're friends, I guess, and, and, and we're very open to accepting each other's values and beliefs, I suppose. I have an even harder one to say. So Jim Merkel. Right. Uh, we went to him in Ottawa for the organization. It's uh, 350. 350.org. Yeah. And we heard him, and, and his whole talk then, well, last, we went last year, was all around living simplistically or some, simply, simple living. Basically. Radical simplicity. That's right. Thank yes. you. Radical simplicity is his book. I think what he's done is amazing. He's doing his bit. But I said to him at the end of the night, I could not do what you do. I could not live like you live or and I choose not to live like you live and he says you know we all have different choices and I said to him well we've chosen not to have children and he said not having children is one of the biggest things you can do to reduce your carbon footprint on this world yes now if I say that to people what are they going to say <laughs> what are they going to think you know I remember having that conversation with my daughter because she was working that through as well from an environmentalist perspective about having one child or two children. And uh, her way of making peace with that, she had one and they were just going to have one because there is some research around overpopulation and the fact that we have way too many people on the earth to sustain it's, it's just gotten to that point. And we're so, using uh, four, didn't he say we're using the resources of four Earths yes, at the moment yes. to be able to sustain our life? Yeah. So, Sorry. but then her, my son, he has said that he doesn't want to have kids. So right. she said, okay, well, I'll have two. I'll have ours and yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But that was a tension for her. And it is, I think it's, uh, it is something that we don't want to talk about at all, the whole population problem and having children, because we want to have, we have our feeling that we have a right to live the way we want to. And that, that and Jim Merkel is really like, he uses the example of being in line at a potluck buffet I don't know if you remember that, but he says, you know, you're at a potluck buffet and on the table is enough for everyone. There's enough food and water, enough shelter and clothing and education. So how much are you going to take off that table? Because what you take, if you take more than you need, then that means someone else further down the line isn't going to get everything they need. It's an interesting way to think about it. And he grappled with it. And he said the same about travel. He said, it, every time I get on a plane, I have a bellyache. So I guess I'm not at that extreme. And he doesn't travel. I remember him saying that he was feeling so much 
conflict around having to fly across the U.S. for a family wedding because he drives if he he only speaks at places that he can drive to or ride his bike to. And even when he came to that conference, he stayed in a home instead of staying in a hotel. Because again, there's a lot of waste that goes into staying in a hotel because there's all of the laundry and all of the 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 things that go into one room in a hotel that a lot of that gets wasted or is single use plastics or all of those things. So it's it's a tough one. Why do we so choose this course, topic? Yeah, I know. Of course I'm still <laughs> mulling over whether I should have said that now. <laughs> but I think it's good to put out there and I'm not I'm not judging people who have children. You know, children are great. I love children. I've got these most amazing nephews. But I think but I wonder what kind of light, if we don't all take notice of this and do what we can and even maybe uh, feel a little bit more uncomfortable in order to do even more than what we think we can, what kind of, what are my nephews going to have? In, I mean, water. Are they going to have any water in the next 150 years, 50 well, years? Well, I sent you that link about the um, organization. It's called waterfootprint.org. And they said that cotton farming is the largest consumer of water in the clothing supply chain and and is, um, I think, 40% of all water worldwide or something is used for clothing. It's, it's like 2,700 liters of water make one T-shirt. So uh, wow. this crazy amount of water is being used by the textile industry. And we could all become nudists. Well, or <laughs> do we need 10 t-shirts, you know? Yeah. Do we, do right. we, can, we, can we simplify our wardrobes? I, I've been interested in this whole capsule wardrobe thing. And, and um, you know, do, can we make limits on how much clothing we have? Because that has a real impact on the environment, clothing production. I don't think people even make that association. They don't make that link. Okay, so this must be like, this is a bit of a challenge for me too then because I like my clothes. I like variety. Yes. <laughs> and you do too, yes? Yes, I do. Uh, yeah. So I guess the point is we can continue to learn. Our minimum standard of, oh, I recycle is like that should be – it's that's not even a, something to be proud of. No, do you know what I mean? It's when I hear people I say think, I recycle, I think, well, great. you know, so I breathe, you know, great. Good for you. Episode six, the gloves come off or episode <laughs> five, whatever this is. And we should not be buying flats of water for $3. A flats of, what are they? Bottled water. Yes. That does, it's a bit of a bugbear on mine. So there's simple things like that that really shouldn't be, I I take a bottle of water with me, I, I, I mean my reusable bottle, fill it up with water and I take that everywhere I go. Uh, I've been to the movie cinema and they don't have, what, what do you call it, a water fountain? Yes. So I lined up 
and asked the person at the counter, instead of buying popcorn, I just said, can you please fill my water bottle? She said, yeah, sure, no problem. That's good. And I smuggle water into the movie theater, but I didn't know I could be upfront about it. So <laughs> I usually do the same thing. Yeah. So I had some and she said, yeah, no problem. And I, um, I have to say kind of dare the person challenge me on that because really I should be able to fill up a bottle of water. And it's not about buying, it's not about paying money. You know, I'll give you a couple of dollars for the water if that's what you need. It's the fact that I don't need another plastic bottle to go in the landfill. So I've, I've had success. And, you know, I have to say, when I went back to England one time, uh, I recorded up with a colleague who I used to work with. She said, oh, you're the person who used to carry the water bottle everywhere. <laughs> so I do that's like a that. great way to be known. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, those things we should just be doing as a, as a like you said, as a, as a, as a minimum standard. It's going above and beyond. And now that you've increased my awareness about the clothing, maybe I need to rethink rethink that. Sell the car. Okay, so so far we're selling the car. <laughs> we're not traveling. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not traveling. <laughs> Welcome to our new life. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I read a book called Zero Waste Home. And right. we'll put we'll put links to all these things we're talking about in the show notes. And I was really impacted by the dedication of this family, although they were in the Jim Merkel camp of extreme or radical. And this family in one year, their waste could all fit in one mason jar. That's how much garbage they had. So a lot of what uh, she was into were was things like single-use plastics. So I've tried to eliminate single-use plastic in my life. So I don't buy things if I, I not 100%, but I really try very hard not to buy things that are in plastic and get thrown out after use. So like a, um, I know people think that a lot of our plastics get recycled because we put them in the recycling bin. But if you do some research on that, they don't. And recycling plastics are is a horrible thing as well for the environment. So there, there are still issues around those things. So trying to eliminate single-use plastic, like saran wrap that you just cover a dish with once and then throw it out, that's things that I've tried to eliminate. And it's it's hard. Yeah, I I like doing that in the kitchen. We have a lot of lock and lock boxes, Ziploc boxes. Hey, there you go. There's a promotion for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. And, and the default is always to go for the plastic. And I'm constantly saying we've got tons and tons of containers that we don't need to we don't need to go for that that cling wrap or cling wrap or whatever saran wrap yeah Um, that's a good one I think that's one that people can work on and see some some progress it's low-hanging fruit I think yeah for most of us things that, that you know aren't made environmentally consciously so ashley's banned and <laughs> good for him he's banned almonds in the house oh really oh yeah almonds almonds take a lot of water i did not know that didn't you and here's me just assuming that everyone no. knows this. no i did not know that yeah almonds so they're good nutritiously they're excellent 
And I'm just looking at the amount of water needed to grow one almond, 1.1 gallon. Wow. Yes, and oranges, 13.8 gallons. I need to get away from here. (laughs) I know, we're (laughs) starting. Nobody's going to listen to us (laughs) anymore if we keep going. Okay, so another thing is gardens. So we bought our house with a ground cover front lawn. So there's no grass on it. And I really like it. I like it because we don't have to cut it. But I also like it because we don't have to water it. And one of the things that I've read about small changes you can make in your life is around grass around your home because it is a environmental waste of water. And if you use a gas lawnmower, it's also really not good for the environment. So ground Mm -hmm. cover to replace your grass is a great alternative and something you can do to really help out in the environment, reducing your footprint. And gardening, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so we have a push mower. And for our back, we have a small backyard and we have a push mower, which I really like. It's, you know, it does a great job. And I I don't know if I'd want to do a huge lawn with it. So, but I'm finding it's, it's a really nice alternative for us in our little backyard. So it's a good thing. Okay, so let's talk about some, some things that we've done that are really working, because I feel like we're talking, we've talked a lot about some of the challenges and the, the things that overwhelm us. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things. So when we're, we're thinking about gardening, I, now, I haven't done this, but it's something that I plan to do, is planting flowers that are helpful to butterflies and bees. Mm. I did. I bought some on the weekend. Good for you. So, for that reason. I, I, I didn't now, I'll be honest, I didn't set out to buy them, but I was just looking and I was reading and it says it will attract the bees. And I thought, oh, perfect. A win-win, you know, win-win situation. That's so I'll great. So choose that one, choose that one rather than any other. Like I, I was just kind of looking on looks. So I thought, oh, okay, this is good. Yeah, totally, totally. That's great. And I know you, you have a vegetable garden and you try to plant a lot of things that you actually will use in cooking. And you guys do a lot of canning and preserving when there's in the abundant harvest season. So I think that's a great thing for people to do as well, to not let food go to waste and to to actually get some of those bumper crops that are, you know, every year seems to be one thing that's really, there's a lot of and, and either freeze them or can them. Yeah, we love our gardening and growing our own veggies and, during the summer, I mean, I'm, this is what I love about Southern Ontario. During the summer, I'll often look at my plate in the evening and I'll know where everything came from. I know the farmer who raised the pigs, who grew his own food to feed the pigs. We have a CSA, Community Sustainable Ag- Agriculture, mm-hmm. that we buy some fruit and veggies off so for people who don't know what a csa is it it is that so community sustainable agriculture so they are farmers where you can become a member and you join and you pay your money you can pay your money weekly or up front we like doing it up front and the intention is that you're supposed to 
uh, go with the risks and the ebbs and flows of uh, farming. So you will pay and you will get whatever is in season at that time. And it's generally from April to ours kind of goes to October, end of October. So you get whatever is in season. So then you learn to cook what is in season, basically. Now, many different CSAs. So they'll go from you can just pay your money to you can go out and help in any part of the process, seeding, harvesting, et cetera, et cetera. So there's many, many different ones. So you just got to research which one, which one is the right one for you. And so we have one near us who is fully organic. So we love supporting that. And just, yeah, knowing knowing where your food came from and, and how healthy, I guess, it is and how much it tastes. We just finished eating our dried peaches now, we did use a dryer last year, first time ever, Sandy, and I didn't like how, how long we had to keep it on for. I didn't like all the electricity it was using. So this year, Ash is going to try and make a dryer. So we're going to try it a different way. Okay, let me know how that goes. I have to try that. I bought a dehydrator last year, so I'm going to try the peaches in it. Oh, it was amazing. And the jam, Ash made some jam. So there's different jams. So if you don't want to make jam... And, and load it all up with sugar, uh, you can make a freezer a freezer one. So, so yeah, we've, we've done a lot of the canning. And then you know what else we found this year? We found a self-watering uh, planter box. How does that work? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, got, it's got like a couple of false bottoms in there, and I haven't – I actually just – as we were planting it on the weekend, I thought, I really must ask Ashley how this works. <laughs> uh, I think what it does is capture, somehow just capture the water it needs and feeds from the bottom up. But okay. I, I really must ask. But uh, the point is they're available. If we don't have to water our pots as much, then that's a good thing for Good. Well, that's another, uh, just remind me of another thing. It was a rain barrel. You know, these are easy oh, things yeah. for people to do. And, and most municipalities in Canada have rain barrels available. So I think that's just an easy thing for people to do is have a rain barrel. And I know there's a yeah. lot of concern around mosquitoes, but most of them now have screens or, you know, something to to keep the mosquitoes from... Um, taking, making homes in your, <laughs> yeah, in and your we rain barrel. Rain barrel water for the yeah for the plants. Yeah, Sandy, when you're on your journey of trying to live with less one-time plastics, I know that's when you started researching a lot of cleaning products and and making your own. Yes, yeah, so, yes, make my I make my own laundry detergent, mm-hmm. and I I buy cleaning uh, a really all environmentally green cleaning product for my bathroom I also I made some personal products as well like I made uh, from sugar you can instead of um, buying razors that you show you throw out after you shave your legs you can you can make your own sugar or wax at home and it does a great job and and lasts like one container of it will last you for a long time so I've made a lot of products that I would use I made my own sunscreen I made my own bug spray I took a a, yeah I took a workshop at our grocery co-op last year on that and it was it was great so 
I think there's lots of things that we can do. And it is, it can be fun. Like it's a way of taking care of our world and our community. And I think if you reframe it, like if you look at it as it's so overwhelming, it's too much work, there's so much to do, I can't possibly make a difference, then you just want to pack up and go on a cruise. (laughs) (laughs) No, but when you reframe it, and you think, I'm actually like, the choices that I make are going to impact everybody on this planet. And, and also, are really can be really fun and enrich my life. So I just plan my whole summer season with my friend for canning. So we'll go pick our fruit. We've just mapped out the days for when things are going to be ready to harvest. And then we'll make our preserves based on so we just got the calendar out. And those will be really fun days. Yes, can I? Can you send those to me? Because yes. I said the same thing. I think Strawberry Day or something is, or raspberries or something's coming up early. And actually, we have a um, huge asparagus market here near us. And uh, I said, and that, that should sure. be right now, asparagus. It's right yes. now. Yeah, yeah. got to go out there. Got to go out there and and. I think these days our children are demanding it. They are learning about this in school. You know, they're learning about it more than we did, which is great because they, they're they kind of getting us to question as well, which is really good. I mean, this is the world we're living in. What kind of world do we want? It's not just about, oh, well, I heard, did hear someone say the other day, oh, I won't be here so it doesn't worry me. That is, that's the definite reframe we need to, we need to have. And, and I just kind of say, do you have children? Yeah. Do you think your children might have children? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we all have an impact. You know, we all need to, I think, um, be a little bit more mindful and and do what we can. And yes, do I think there's more that that I can personally do? Absolutely. So we need to have a little bit of a focus. And am I going to stop travel? No. I live. I have family in Australia. You know, am I am I going to choose to perhaps? Uh, a, a, a different travel or like this year we're mainly staying more locally so that I can bank up my travel credits to fly to Australia again <laughs> you know things like that but I want to talk about there's have you heard about uh, Grey Rock Clothing Company in Guelph Sandy I think you would really really love that store and I think your daughter would really really love that store I my walking friend Sarah just went there this weekend or this oh. last week. And I've told you about them before. I know I have because I got her uh, as an entrepreneur, as a socially responsible entrepreneur to come and do a uh, talk for my students. And I just rechecked their website and they have they are just the uh, proud winners of uh, Certified B Corporation, which is a type of company that uses the power of business to solve social and environmental problems. Wow. So we're going to hear more and more. They, it's like the fair trade certification of coffee kind of. So B Corp certification. So people out there, as you are shopping, you can look for the B Corp certification and it it identifies that they've met rigorous standards of social and environmental performance, accountability and transparency. 
and it assesses them, it assesses their practices and the impact they have on their employees, their community, their environment, and their customers. Isn't that awesome? That's great. I think that we'll we'll definitely put some links in our in our show notes to this business. And there's a couple of other businesses that I uh, like to support as well. And as well, if people know businesses, if you could, if you're listening to this, go on our Facebook page and help us to support these businesses by just putting their names a little bit about them so that we can all know about, about them. I mean, we can do research online, but that's time consuming. And I'd much rather support a business that somebody has told me about that I know is like, like this one you've just mentioned. Now, of course I want to go there. I think that's a great idea. Wherever you are, because you're listening to us all over the world, write things write things on Facebook and, and send it around because I totally agree with you, Sandy. If I know that there's an organization that's doing their best to be socially and environmentally responsible, then I will go out of my way to support them for sure. Yes, I'm the same. So a couple of things I was thinking about one today. One was how easy it is to become complacent about environmental issues and we kind of do what we do but and if we don't keep talking about it we can just become apathetic or complacent and so one of the things I was thinking that has really helped me is to watch documentaries or read on the subject and so if people want to share those things as well so I'm going to share two things with you that I think might be helpful. One is a documentary called Bag It. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's around the impact of plastic bags on the environment. So again, an easy thing for people to do. Don't take plastic bags. And it was in that documentary that I heard um, them talk about the expression about throwing it away. Have you ever heard people say that about, oh, I just threw it away? Yes. So what they said in that documentary is there is no away. You can't <laughs> throw it away. There is no away. It's somewhere else. It's You've just moved it from your place to somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And it was about language. And if you tell yourself you can throw things away, you're actually in your mind having this idea that there isn't a way but there isn't so I try not to say that throwing it away the other one is a documentary I'm going to in June but I follow this blog and podcast called the minimalist and I'll put a link in the show notes to it but they're Mm. they are proponents of living a minimalist lifestyle and not a you know, austere kind of uh, stoic approach to life, but a very full life, but without a lot of stuff. So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. So how about you? What are some things that have inspired you? What has inspired me? I think, you know, living in different countries and learning how different countries do things along the way. The whole bag thing. I remember the the first time going into Europe. It was... uh, it was Germany or France, going to a supermarket and them not having any plastic bags to give you. And that you know? was a surprise to you? Yeah, that was a total surprise. This was in year 2000. Yes. It must have been and Germany. I always think Germany is so far ahead. I don't know if that's true, but I, I do think that for years they have been doing things that 
especially around recycling and, and waste that are, yeah. are very good. I, and I think it was France too because I think we were skiing and so we were loading up and thank goodness um, we used to always have backpacks with us. And so we do all this shopping. Of course, we don't know any of this until we get to the checkout. So you got a week's worth of shopping. <laughs> and then you're like, can we have a bag? They said, no, we don't have any. And you're like, oh. And even the cloth ones weren't as readily available. Uh, I think if we were desperate, they would have given us a box or something. But but we had those three of us. And so, yeah, we, we had backpacks. And so we're loading up the backpacks. and And it was strange to me because I just moved over there from Australia and was living in England and they didn't do it and so you know it's at first it's like what what do you mean you don't have bags and then it's we've reframed it and said wow like they're so far ahead we don't need plastic bags I really think it's really like you say about reframing that mind shift and going okay I'm, I'm interconnected in this world I'm interconnected with everyone what are a few simple steps I can take today and start this week that will help Mm -hmm. and then we do that and then they become habit it's just how we live it's what we do and then we we keep trying to push the boundaries yes yeah well there's always more that we can be doing and I think not to get overwhelmed and consumed by guilt or feeling despair like we may as well just give up because it's so the planet's so far gone now just think about that potluck and how much do you really need and you know what can you leave for the people behind you so those those choices we make every day are going to determine what the people who come behind us have and so I think we can all make better choices and so I hope we I think this was a tense conversation for us in terms of we don't want to judge people we don't want to beat up ourselves but we also want to say there's so much more we can be doing I listened to a podcast recently on and they were talking about the environment and I was so frustrated because I thought you need to challenge us and you need to challenge yourselves and so we I think that's what we wanted to do today is just say let's do more let's all do a bit more yeah, it, it's that that change comes with a bit of uncomfortableness. So, yes. So yes. this will be a topic of conversation around our dinner table tonight for sure. Yes. Good. Well, thank you. And I'm looking forward to getting some feedback from our listeners and to learning from them and what's been helpful in their journey as well to take care of our environment. Yes. Please don't forget to provide us with your comments. We'll see you next time. Hi Life Reframers, did you enjoy our podcast today? If so, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes, SoundCloud or our Facebook page. For more information, visit our website reframeyourlife.ca and sign up for our newsletter.